I'm Roger Perry. I'm the pastor here at Christ Church. I'm glad that you've come to worship with us today. We have some things that uh, I'd like to point out that in the bulletin here. One of them is that Christ Church is actually a multi-site church. We have a site in Silvis, Illinois, as well as this one. And we also have a uh, site in Carbon Cliff, Illinois, where we're trying to develop uh, a ministry there and, and a worship uh, experience that would uh, be weekly. We are going to have one on Easter there. But one of the things about a multi-site campus, you want each campus to be able to help or to support itself. Carbon Cliff has not developed into a church yet. It is the Carbon Cliff Community Center, and uh, people do do uh, uh, utilize it as a community center. But to help fund that, that ministry and a future ministry, every month we have an open mic and a meal, and it's on the first Friday. So it's coming up. You can see it there, the Carbon Cliff Community Center open mic and uh, a barbecue dinner. So if you can, please stop by and uh, support the ministry there. Other things that are listed in there you'll, you'll uh, be able to see. One is the, is the million coin challenge. What is that about? Well, the campaign committee for the new building is uh, just having some fun by saying, you know, what would happen if people would just bring in their change? And what do we do with change? We stockpile it, and then we decide, you know, what, what we're going to do with it. There's a big bottle out in the, in the uh, welcome area there where you can put your change in. And so far, drum roll, we have, we have uh, 75,905 pennies, which is, it equals $759. Now, that means we only have 929,095 pennies to go. Piece of Piece cake, of we cake. can do that. There you go. All right, so um, other things that, that uh, we probably need to talk about, the, the, the ushers pointed this out to me this morning, it makes perfect sense to me, is that if you're uncomfortable shaking somebody's hand for reasons of flu or whatever, uh, just extend an elbow. What, can, we, can we declare that as friendly? Say, you know, if you want, if you don't want to shake it, just extend an elbow. And we could, we could tap elbows. That, that, if everybody's okay with that, uh, it doesn't mean you can't shake hands. You can. But if you uh, feel more comfortable, that, that is a sign that says it's okay. You know? uh, we, we, uh, uh, we're all right with that. Also, this is the season of Lent. Many of you have Lenten crosses that you put out in your yard. Now is the time to do that with the uh, uh, purple pyramid or cloth over it. And uh, what we've done in the past is we've passed out over like 400 of those uh, crosses. And uh, we didn't create them this year. If you don't have one, we could probably find one for you or we can help you make one. But uh, we stick them in the front yards all over the Quad Cities and drape uh, purple over them during the season of Lent. And then on Good Friday, there's a black pyramid that goes on it, or cloth. And then on Easter Sunday and following Easter, there's a white, white cloth. So uh, now is the time to put those in, our, in your yard. Um, don't feel bad if you haven't done it. 
uh, Pastor Roger and Joy don't have theirs in the yard yet, so uh, hopefully today we'll get that we'll get that done. Um, other things in the bulletin, as you can see, uh, you are uh, certainly invited and welcome to attend. How many of you were here to hear um, uh, Pastor Steve Granados and our district district superintendent last week? Was it his? Uh, he was, he was really gracious with his time. He spoke at all three services on Sunday morning, and then he was here for the two um, workshops that we had in the afternoon. And he, uh, well, he, he, he confessed that we wore him out. Um, but he has high things to say about uh, Christ Church. He, he was really uh, excited about what he saw and, and meeting many of you. So I want to thank you for... Uh, making his visit a, a good visit, and we had a had a good time with uh, um, the, the the two workshops we had. When Mike Crawford was here in the afternoon, he was talking about different outposts, different ways of doing church, and a few people came up to me afterward, and I was thinking about this too. On Wednesday nights, we have this meal. How many of you have been to Open Hearts Cafe? If you haven't come, I'd encourage you to come. It's uh, it's from like 5.30 to 6.30, it's a free meal. And people of the church and people of the community, they come together, they fellowship, it's just, a, it's just a great time. But one of the things that we were thinking is maybe we're missing the bus, maybe we need to be doing something more to proclaim Christ during that time slot. And the interesting thing about the open hearts, uh, people that come, is they're like in their seats around tables around five, about a half hour early, five o'clock, most everybody's there. And then they're just uh, having some fellowship time until 5.30. And so I asked them last week, hey, would you be interested in a dinner church where we would take that 5 o'clock to 5.30 time and actually do some things, maybe do some singing and, and uh, some uh, discussion around tables on certain questions and, and maybe a, uh, a short message. And they were, they were in agreement to do that. So we're going to try to start that, at least during Lent, try something a little different on Wednesdays. And that may be something that God calls you to support. You may want to be there and be a part of that and be around one of those tables to help the discussion. Uh, so uh, please uh, feel free to, to come and help with that. You can help with a meal or you can just help it with uh, table discussions or whatever. But I, I sense that that's going to be an important ministry for us. Uh, other things uh, are, are listed there. You can, you can look at your, uh, at your uh, leisure. Today starts a second part of a series known as the life and times of Jesus. Back in January, we had the uh, uh, life and times of Jesus, the early years, where we looked at those first 30 years of his life that were sort of private. And we, we talked about uh, what probably went on in his life, what was happening in the world at that time. But now we're, during the season of Lent, leading up to Easter, we're going to be talking about the ministry years. And that's what most of the, the, the Gospels are about, are those ministry years. And we're going to obviously go through it pretty rapidly, but we're going to be talking today about how he entered the scene, how he came on the scene. And uh, to some extent, it might surprise you how he, how he did that. Uh, so let's pray, and we'll go right into the worship service. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I ask that you will be with us uh, in this worship service as we seek to honor you. And Lord... As we are honoring you with our worship, we uh, seek your, uh, to experience you as well. So send your Holy Spirit to be among us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not fade, you won't. Rises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not fail. week we sang a song called Praises the Highway, and you may have wondered, what is Praise the Highway? And so I thought, well, I'm going to look it up in my, well, my Bible. And I thought, highway is in, in many places in the Bible. And I wanted to share Psalm 68. It says, sing unto God, sing praises to his name. That's what we're here for. Cast up a highway for him that rideth through the deserts. His name is Jehovah and exalt him. So when, when we sing, praise is the highway to the throne of God, that's the way for us to approach God is praise. Praise is the highway to the heart of God. Praise is the highway to the move of God. If God's going to move, it's through prayer and praise. So that's the meaning of this title, praise is the highway. It's kind of a different word to think about. Praise is the highway to the throne of God. Sing it with me. Praise is the highway to the heart of God. Praise is the highway to the move of God. The rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. The oceans will roar, the mountains will bow to the name of the Lord. He is 
our God, he will be praised. The idols will fall, the strongholds will break, every weapon that's formed will shatter and fail. He is our God, he is our faith. Praise is the highway. Praise is the highway to the throne of God. Praise is the highway to the heart of God. Praise is the highway to the move of God. Revival will come. Revival will come. The church will awake. His anthem will drown all other refrains. He is our song. He forever reigns. Praise is the highway. Praise is the highway to the throne of God. Praise is the highway to the heart of God. Praise is the highway move of God. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Fling wide the gates. Bring down the walls with a shout of praise. Lift up your voice. Pull heaven down. Oh, sing like thunder. Make his praises loud. Lift up. Lift up your head, fling wide the gates, bring down the walls with a shout of praise. Lift up your voice, pull heaven down, oh, sing like thunder, make his praises loud. All right, just sing praise is a highway. Praise is a highway. To the throne of God, praise is the highway. To the throne, to the throne of God, praise is the highway. To the throne of God, praise is the highway. Praise is the highway. Praise is the highway. To the throne of God, praise is the highway. To the heart of God, praise is the highway to the move of God. To the move of God. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that uh, we do on the first Sunday is uh, we receive Holy Communion. And I want you to know if you are not a member of this church, you still are welcome. You see, it's Jesus Christ who invites you to his table. And he invites all ages. He invites the kids. Kids may not fully understand it, but guess what, kids? I, I don't fully understand it. <laughs> it's a mystery about God's love, how much he loves us. And so as we go through this, uh, this, this time of 
celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion, I want you to know that, that Jesus Christ invites you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we remember how on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you met with your followers, your disciples, for one last meal. And at that meal, you took the bread, you blessed it, you broke it, and you said, take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. When the supper was over, you took the cup, and after giving thanks, you gave the cup to your followers and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So now as we eat this bread and we drink of the, the, the cup, help us to remember once again your great love, a love so great that you came into this world to die on the cross for us so that we might go to heaven when we die. Help us to learn more about what it means to live for you. And may we begin by coming to your table. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those who are going to help serve communion, will you come forward? You are invited to come by Jesus Christ. So won't you won't you please come to his invitation? Amazing love that welcomes me. The kindness of Bought with blood wholeheartedly, my soul undeserving. Guide your soul, guide your soul, guide your soul. So oh. 
sing that chorus again. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am cold. I am And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. Can you stand as we sing, God, you're so good. God, you're so
the voice as let's end this time of communion. God, you're so good. God, you're so Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world, loving us so much that you were willing to die on the cross for the things that we've done wrong, for our sins. May the season of Lent be a time of, of preparation for the coming of Easter. May it be a time of prayer, drawing closer to you. may be a time of, of resisting temptation to the point that we rely solely on you and not on our own good works or, or any ability that we have. Lord, we pray for those who need your, your healing touch and, and uh, your, your uh, touch in life, whatever it might be, whether it might be a uh, life situation that needs to be rectified, or uh, maybe a financial situation, whatever it might be. May your hand be upon those that we are caring for. Lord, as we think of our own lives, how we can be directed by you, we seek to continue on that path that you have called us on. And it may mean coming back to you because of our straying away from the path. So Lord, as we, uh, we seek to follow you, I ask that you hear this prayer that you've taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come Offering. Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not I'm what you have now. required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's 
it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. All about you. so excited to get into the prayer time that I forgot the, forgot the offering. Monica Whiting, our finance chair, hates it when I do that. As I mentioned earlier, we're looking into the, the ministry years of Jesus. And by doing so, we need to look at how it all started. And there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the earliest one, the one that we think has been, was written first, was the Gospel of Mark, which is by far the shortest. And Mark seemed to be in a hurry to get done. There's a lot of details that were left out, and it seemed like everything was moving pretty fast. And so what we have here is the opening of his, uh, 
of his ministry and three major things that happen, and they're recorded in, in, in a very short period of time, uh, about four verses. We can find it, or, or uh, uh, six verses, we can find it in Mark 1, verses 9 through 15. Listen to these verses. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is, has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of this holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through your holy word. And I ask that this witness to your word will be a fruitful one. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we've been on this journey, we've already looked at the early years. We looked at when Jesus came into the world. The the prophecy said that this would be the Messiah. We had kings coming to bow down and worship to him, or at least magi, wise men. And prophecy talks about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. All of this rolled up into Jesus and and then how he developed and the different things that happened that uh, we know about. Uh, Things that happened when he was presented to the the temple uh, and and also uh, when he was 12 years old and he he was at the the temple. But um, now 30 years have gone by and Jesus is going to enter into the world as what we know as the public years, the three years of his ministry. Now, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, coming on to the scene, what would that be like? What would a king do when he comes on the scene? Well, let me give you an opportunity to think about that. If you were king of the world, suppose you woke up, you woke up, tomorrow and discovered that you were king or queen of the world, what would you do? Judy, you're, you're queen of the world. What would you do, Judy? Hey, Jerry, you're, you're king of the world. What would you do? Oh. Uh, did, did you... He, 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 he gave me the answers that, that a pastor would want to hear. <laughs> Bring peace and love to the world. <laughs> well, you know, the, when, when you ask a question like that, it's good to go to the experts. So somebody interviewed seven, eight, and nine-year-olds. And I want to tell you some of their responses. One was, I would take care of everything. I would make sure everybody has what they need. 
I would make sure that they all are safe. Now, I want her to be queen, right? Here's one who'd been listening to his parents. I would make sure to tell everyone that if they didn't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> but then they get real, okay? They, they start thinking about it like, hey, really? I'm, I'm king? I'm queen? You know, what, what, one said, my castle will be on a mountain. I'll rule the world. And I will take a bath with bubbles. If I was king of the world, I would change the rules. If we need to pay money, we do not have to. Yeah. If I want a toy, I get a toy. If I want money, I get money. And I will buy a pool. Now th this one, this one really got into the kingly bit of it. Actually, queen, uh, she, she's a queen. I would say no to guns or else you will go to jail. No killing of bugs. I will say bring me gold. I will be very bossy. I will sit on a big, big chair and I will take a walk. Take a walk. If I were queen, I would say, give money to the poor people. Second thing is I'm going to make robots so they could clean all the castle. And here's some short, here's some short ones. I love this one. Everyone's toenails must, be must have color. <laughs> Every day would be Christmas. Like that one. Everyone must wear colorful clothing. Ernie Manrique would love that, wouldn't he? <laughs> How about this one? Everyone must have a pet. <laughs> Where'd this one come, one, come from? Everyone must eat corn for dinner. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the last one. I would have all the candy in the world sent to me. Yes. So the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he, he comes on the scene. He's coming onto the scene. What does he do? How does that stop? How, what, you know, how, do how does he do that? Well, it may surprise you. The first thing he did is he went to the River Jordan and was baptized by John. John, the one that was foretold, would be the, the forerunner of the Messiah. John, who when he was asked, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I, I'm not the Messiah. The one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to, uh, to, to tie his sandals. And then when John uh, sees Jesus coming, he says, you need to be baptizing me, not, not me baptizing you. But Jesus humbles himself. He gets in line with the other people who are coming to be baptized. And he, and he, and he tells John, he says, for now, for now, you baptize me. That's how it started. Now, do you know what happened right after that? 
It says immediately, he goes into the wilderness. Now, who took him into the wilderness? Did you catch that? Some people think, well, Satan got, took him into the wilderness, or he wandered into the wilderness, and Satan was there. No, actually, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, took him into the wilderness. And he was there 40 days and was tempted by Satan. Now, those 40 days were a time of preparation for the coming ministry. They were a time of intense prayer, and they were a time of a temptation. Now, he, he fasted those 40 days. Has anybody here ever fasted for 40 days? How many of you are willing to give up Sunday dinner today? Now that hurts, doesn't it? 40 days without food. Comes the first temptation. Now, what I want you to see is the temptations that that Jesus experienced, um, they're, uh, they're subtle. And I think that's one reason why during this season of Lent, this time of, which is a preparation time for us, it's a time for us to be in prayer, and it's a time that we are also tempted to stray off the path. Uh, one thing that people do is they give up something for Lent. Did anybody ever say to you, what are you giving up for Lent? Or maybe you have given something up for Lent. Well, at, at, at uh, the Ash Wednesday service, we talked about not just giving something up, but put something on. Put on Christ. Become more Christ-like. And we had scripture passages that back that up. So this uh, 40 days of Lent, from Ash Wednesday to, to Easter, excluding the Sundays. The sun, you don't count the Sundays, but if you count all the days from Ash Wednesday to Easter, you come up with 40. There are times of preparation and prayer and temptation for us, too. If we're willing to to focus on staying on the path, we will be tempted to stray off the path. Jesus was tempted. They were subtle, but they were temptations. First thing, he hasn't eaten for about 40 days. And uh, in the wilderness there, it's, uh, not, it's not like, don't think trees, think more like desert. And in the desert, I've seen pictures, and I've actually seen it in person, where there, there are stones about this size, they're rounded and they're white, um, laying all over the place. And I can just envision Jesus looking at one of those stones and thinking, a loaf of bread. Along comes Satan. If you're really the Son of God, then turn this stone into bread. Satisfy your hunger. But Jesus had an answer for that. He went to Scripture and he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that uh, comes from the Word of God. Now, what what's subtle about that is that Jesus is, is in a time in his life where he is, he is fasting. And the, the temptation would be to break that fast. It's just a subtle thing. Who would know? But Jesus re- resisted that. Next thing is that Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the, of the, of the temple in Jerusalem and says, if you're, if you're the son of God, 
throw yourself down in front of all these people. Throw yourself down. And because we know, the Scripture tells us that the angels, the angels will come and, and will bear you up so you don't even scuff up your feet. And Jesus fired back, you're not supposed to touch God. Quoting Scripture. Notice here that Satan actually quoted Scripture as well. You see, you got to be careful there. Sometimes somebody will come up with a, with a piece of Scripture that doesn't really fit anything. And you compare, the thing that you need to do is to compare Scripture with Scripture. Make sure you're consistent with what, what, what God is really saying. The last thing was, uh, it was uh, kind of an interesting one. They went to, went to the highest, you know, tall mountain. And looked out on the, on the nations of the world. Satan said, all these belong to me. And I'll give them all to you. If you'll bow, bow down and worship me. And Jesus would have nothing to do with it. And how many of you know that Satan is a liar? Those kingdoms don't belong to him. He would like them to. But they don't. They're God's. So here we have three temptations. One is just uh, the, the temptation of satisfying our, our hunger, our, our needs when we're trying to fast for God. Another is sensationalism. I think everybody here, at least at one time or another, would like to be a rock star, right? Oh, don't look at me like that. You've done the air guitar thing, you know. Sensationalism. Make a splash. After all, this is a king of kings, lord of lords. Make a splash in the world. Let everybody know that, that you can do things like jump from the top of the temple. And then the last one was personal gain. Take an easy route. King of kings, lord of lords. I, don't, I, wouldn't, have to, I wouldn't have to die on the cross. I could just have it all now. But I'd have to worship Satan. How many of you are glad that he said no to Satan on that one? Oh, yeah. That's how he started. That's how he prepared. That's how he started. The baptism and the temptation. And then he starts out in a very interesting way. He starts out with, with uh, something that, that uh, may surprise you. And in our culture today, we think of like the government being the president and on down from there. But in that time frame, you think of king and kingdoms, you know, the emperor over the, the known world, and then King, um, uh, uh, king Herod of that area where he was living. Uh, they, they knew about kings, they knew about kingdoms. And this is what, what uh, Jesus says. He, he enters the world and his known years by saying the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of God. What is he trying to say here? Well, this, this is actually a new concept. I mean, we really don't see it in the Old Testament. We see, yes, some, some references to God as king. We see the reference of, of uh, there will be the king of kings, the Lord of lords that was prophesied. But here Jesus comes up with this relatively new concept, or at least a bold concept that says the kingdom of God is near. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Well, some people think, think it's heaven. It's not, it's not heaven. It's not even a location. And folks, it's not the church. Some of the things it is is it's powerful. Scripture tells us it's powerful, it's mysterious. It's a promise of things to come, and yet it's something already here. Now, how do you explain that? How do you how do you explain? This kingdom of God, if you're not the king of kings and lord of lords, how do you do that? Well, Jesus spent his ministry seeking to do just that. Had people scratching their heads all the time, like, what does he mean by the kingdom of God? But it was a central theme in his, his uh, ministry. You can see it all the time. In Luke 4:43 he says this is what he says he says i must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of god it's a necessity i must do it it's good news and and so as he's trying to describe the kingdom of god to people all throughout his ministry he uses stories do you know what they are what the name of those stories are parables matthew 13 is loaded with parables and these parables invariably start out with the statement, you know, the, king, the kingdom of God is like. And then he tells a story. Out near the Sea of Galilee, talking to a group of people, and a large group, and he looks up and I envision him seeing a farmer out in the field. I didn't have John Deere implements out back then. All they had was this, this bag and, and seed. So the best he could do is this farmer had a John Deere green bag and he's reaching with this. Okay, all right. I'm adding a little too much here. Taking the seed and just spreading it out on the field. Just and and Jesus, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like that. It's like, it's like this farmer that's that spreading seed. But this farmer, he's casting this seed over, over the path. And then, and then some of that seed, it lands in the, in, the, in, the, in the rocky soil. And some of it's over here in, the, in the, the thickets, in the weeds. And then there's some that hits the, the good soil, the fertile soil in the field. He says, the kingdom of God's like that. Now, what do you mean? He says, well, it's like how people hear about the good news. Some people will hear the good news, and they won't do anything with it bounces right off of them, sort of like that seed on the, on the hard path. And then others are like a seed that has fallen among rocky soil. When the sun comes out, you know, that might sprout up, but as the sun comes out, it dries out, overheats and dies. And then there's others who, who get caught up in life, the weeds of life, 
And as it grows, the, the, the things of life choke it out and they die. But then there's some that are like the seed on fertile soil. The seed takes root and it grows and it grows and it grows and multiplies a thousandfold. Same chapter, chapter 19 of uh, Matthew. He also uses another another parable of a, of a sower. This guy, he's, he, uh, he sows good seed, wheat. He's got it in the field. That night, an enemy comes with weed seed, sows over the top of the, the wheat. And they don't know what happens. How do you know? Until the plants start coming up. And then people start pointing out, hey, wait a second, that's, that's not wheat. This is, but that's not. And then they finally realize, and they tell him, somebody, your enemy must have come and sowed weeds among your wheat. What do you want us to do? Do you want us to pull up the weed plants? And he said, no, no, don't do, don't do that. Don't pull up the weed plants. Let them grow with the true wheat. And when the harvest comes, we will harvest both, both, and we'll take the good wheat and we'll store it away. We'll collect that, but the weeds we will burn. Let it all grow together till the harvest. Who knows God is after in this world? Not easy to understand, is it? It has had the, it had the disciples, and it has us sort of like scratching our heads, like, well, what, what does this mean? Well, we'll have some weeks to figure that out because it comes up time and time again. It's a part of what his message is all about, a major part about what his message is all about. But Jesus came on the scene by saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, when do you hear that statement? The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Those are two statements. And then there is a directive. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's something we can do. Repent means to turn from a direction that is not what God wants us to do and begin once again to follow that path that he has laid before us. Believe in the gospel. Now, when that happens, Jesus looks and says, the kingdom of God is near. And he even said, the kingdom of God is within you. Well, how does that work? Kingdom of God being within you. Well, Judy knows. I'm picking on you today, aren't I? Yeah. Judy knows that wherever she goes as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, she has an opportunity to announce the reign of God because she's part of that kingdom. She gets close to Jerry. Jerry needs all the help he can get. <laughs> the kingdom of God is near. 
she gets close to Tracy. And hopefully Tracy will know the kingdom of God is near. Actually, every place that she or any other disciple of Jesus Christ puts their foot is an opportunity to proclaim the kingdom of God. We've talked about that already. Call it the kingdom, strut, call it whatever you want. But that is our call when we leave here today. You know, if I really believed that, I'd probably pray that. The prayer would go something like this. Heavenly Father, holy and wonderful is your name. I want your kingdom and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait a second. Didn't we just pray that earlier in the service? Yeah, I guess we did. So if we meant the prayer, then all we have to do is leave here doing the kingdom strut and let the the gospel of Jesus Christ reign in our life and wherever we go. Do you see it? Well, I wish I could tell you more about the kingdom of God, but there is more to come. So, let me just pray and we will uh, end our service, but uh, I I want you to walk out of here with one of the king's kids, okay? And remember, wherever you put your step, wherever you put your foot, is an opportunity for you to shine that arrow for Jesus Christ. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for how you you love us, how you can direct us, how you can help us to understand what you're trying to teach us about the kingdom of God. Be with us every step of the way, Lord, as we seek to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. I know a place where mercy flows, take the stains, make you whiter than snow. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes it come alive. Living water that brings the dead to life. Oh, we're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Hey, hey, let's get washed by the water, washed by the water and rise up in amazing grace. Let's go down, down, down to the river. You will be changed. Let's go down, down, down to the river. Never the same. I've 
seen and move in my own life. Took me from dusty roads into paradise. All of my dirt, all of my shame, drowned in the streams that have made me born again. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes you come alive. Living water that brings the dead alive. Oh, we're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Hey, hey, let's get washed by the water, washed by the water, and rise up in amazing grace. Let's go down, down, down to the river. You will be changed. Let's go down, down, down to the river. Never the same. Let's go down. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go down in amazing grace Down, down, down to the river Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go down in amazing grace Gary and Judy, I, I've been pretty hard on you at this worship service, haven't I? I'm just terrible. Oh, I'm not done, Jerry. I'd like you two to come up here with me, if you would. The kingdom of God is like Jerry and Judy Greer. You may not know, but through the years, they have been a mentor couple for many, many, probably hundreds of couples who wanted to get married. And they have worked in the church very hard. They have been an example of how you put your foot down and you proclaim the kingdom of God where you're at. And then you put another foot down and you, can, you, you proclaim the kingdom. This is, this is an example of the kingdom of God. Do you hear me, church? And to be honest with you, our church is loaded with, with wonderful people who do this. But I call you two to demonstrate what I call the kingdom strut. <laughs> and as we end this service, I want you to demonstrate the kingdom strut as we walk out of here. Would you do that for us? Absolutely. All right. Here it is, folks, the kingdom strut. She's got to get a purse first before she. Okay. There it is.
We're going down to the river. Go and share your faith with someone who needs love, forgiveness, or, or hope. Point them toward God. Let him save them as he is saving you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God shouted, Amen. Amen.